You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Good morning, everyone, and welcome again to Every Nation Church. Uh, I'm Bert, the senior pastor, in case you don't know who I am, and it's uh, my privilege to finish off uh, the current sermon series that uh, we have been in. Uh, this past week, uh, my wife lost a very, very dear friend whom she had known since actually her preteen uh, years, and um, Beth was just a wonderful person. And when you think about her life, um, you know she was an RN uh, and had a successful career. Beautiful husband Terry, that, that long and beautiful marriage, four incredible kids. Uh, four wonderful grandchildren, uh, lived in a beautiful home nearby here. And so when you put all that together, you think, wow, that's a pretty good life. But if you'd ask Beth personally, uh, what was her greatest possession? It wasn't a thing or even some other people as wonderful as family is. It was very clear that the thing that Beth valued the very, very most was her relationship with her Lord, Savior, King, and friend, Jesus. And as she battled cancer for 16 months in her weakened state, uh, she was able to, not just once, but over and over as people came and said their goodbye, she was able to look them in the eye, even when she couldn't speak very much anymore. And she would look them in the eye and just utter these three words, I love you. I love you, over and over, it was said uh, by those who uh, experienced her last days. Why am I telling you this story? Because I believe that only a person who has found a treasure greater than life itself could actually have such a beautiful response and an expression of love to others. This last uh, sermon series, we've done five weeks now where we've done a deep dive into really looking at what Jesus actually did for us on the cross. Um, here's our topics that we covered. Uh, the cross and scandal, the cross and sin, the, the cross and atonement, the cross and victory, the cross and resurrection. And then we asked the question, after learning all of this, what's next for us? So what we're calling this week is this, the cruciform way. What do we do to advance the cross and what Jesus did? Or a subtitle might be, Taking the Message of the Cross uh, to Our World. I believe that we really need to reclaim uh, the heart of Christianity in the church, which is the message and power of the cross. Not just an intellectual and theological understanding, but a living reality. The kind that touches us so deeply that our lives radiate that love. The pandemic indeed has changed the way uh, that we do uh, church. We've had to adapt. We've had to innovate. But now as uh, restrictions are easing, we're going to have to actually ask the question, how do we recreate? The danger that we're in right now is that we quickly just go back to business as usual. Uh, pastor and author Erwin McManus says that what has come on the church is like an ice age. And it'll be difficult to survive it if we simply try to go back to what was. He says that we're going to have to let go of what we had and launch out and create what we've never had. I've been thinking about the church's message uh, uh, over the years. Um, and our church, too. 
And I think if we would be honest, uh, we'd have to conclude that in many ways, the primary message of the church has been very simply, come to church. Um, I'm for the church in all its forms, but we must look at things critically and honestly if we want to see better days ahead. Uh, there's been so much emphasis uh, on better worship, more engaging preaching, better kids' church, etc. But no matter how uh, good we get on these dimensions, the church's message should not and cannot be just come to church, but what's the heart? What did Beth have? Come to Jesus. Not just come to church. Come to Jesus. Um, what I mean is that we need to have the confidence to say boldly that no matter what problem you face in life, no matter what you're going through, Jesus is ultimately your only solution. He is the one who can save you. He's the one who can transform you. He is the one who can guide you through life's journeys. And as an added bonus, usher you uh, safely into the new heaven and the new earth when you die. We contrast this message with the emphasis on church attendance. And here's what scares me <laughs> about uh, just kind of counting church attendance. I've, I've got a graphic that I came across looking at church attendance in Canada from 1946 through to 2015. Now, I'm not so sure I want to jump on that slide. Um, the red dots are uh, when Canadians were asked, um, did you attend a, a church service in the last seven days? You know what's amazing? When this chart uh, began in 1946, 67% of Canadians said, yeah, I went to church in the last seven days. Um, and then you and and the blue dots are just church attendance aggregated. But my, 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 look at how even into the year 2000, when you would ask, uh, I think it's 2013, when you asked a Canadian, have you been to church in the last seven days? Even then it was, you know, somewhere in between 10, 15%, something like that. Well, the pandemic uh, didn't cause the church slide, but I think it uh, sped it up. Someone once said that the church, like other areas are of um, society, were ripe uh, for disruption. But I really believe that we have a message of hope. I'm, I'm not at a place of doom and gloom for the church. Uh, not at all. Uh, I believe that Jesus is alive today. I believe that he has, uh, uh, he's still the savior of the world. He's reaching out to men and women and boys and girls and transforming lives. Uh, but we have to put forward this message of the cross and make it central to everything uh, that we do. Um, so how do we change it? Here's the question. Here's my thesis for today's sermon. How do we change it? How do we proclaim the passion in our hearts, reclaim the passion in our hearts to share the most important message that any person uh, will ever hear? Which brings us to our text today, uh, taken from Mark, the 16th chapter, starting in verse 12. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, and they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them, and as they were walking into the country, and they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared 
uh, to eleven to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who had saw that he had been risen. And he said to them, "Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation." So. What was one of the first things that Jesus did after the resurrection? I'd actually never really seen this before, even though I'd read the accounts from the gospel many, many times and even preached on them. This is the very first thing pretty much that he did to them. He rebuked them. What does it mean to rebuke? Here's a definition to express sharp disapproval or criticism of someone because of their behavior or actions. Or here's some modern day uh, vernacular, to lay into, to take to task, to reprimand. Can you, can, you, can you believe it? Can you just see it? Jesus rising from the dead, and now he's going to lay into them? You know, why, why didn't you believe? Um, it's like he's still doing his teaching and his admonishing even after uh, the resurrection. Now, here, now here's the thing. If the great apostles needed their unbelief and hardness of heart to be worked on, how much more do we uh, in our generation? And as I thought of that, I think that there's at least three areas. There's probably actually more as I really reflected a little bit more. But what are some areas of hardness of heart that creeps into us, that steals our excitement and our joy uh, to proclaim all that Jesus has done to our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors. So three areas of hardness that I believe that uh, can creep into our hearts, not just the early disciples. Uh, first of all, fear of man. Uh, secondly, disappointment from past experiences. And thirdly, uh, personal struggles. Let's look at these and unpack them a little bit today. First of all, fear of man. Proverbs 29, uh, verse 25 says that the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Um, there is a very real uh, fear that can creep into our hearts when we talk about our faith uh, to those who may uh, not believe or share what we believe. Um, I found this, I don't usually just Google things randomly online, but I, I but the gotquestions.org is a theological, pretty theologically sound site. And I found, uh, I found this, um, this great little explanation of how fear of man uh, works in our hearts. It says this, a threat more prevalent than physical violence to most Christians, especially those in Western and free nations is the psychological fear of man. This fear is an anxious need to receive affirmation from those around us. The fear of man manifests as people-pleasing, compromised values, peer pressure, and a choice not to share our faith. The fear of man can be a snare when we allow it to influence our decisions. Rather than obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, we opt for avoiding unpleasant uh, interactions. It's easier to heed the fear of man than to invade the possibility of consequences. So in each of these fears, we have to look at them and realize that they're real, these things that can creep into our heart to stop us from sharing the good news. But then we also got to line it up with the truth of scripture and what God would speak into our hearts. So what, is, uh, what does uh, God say uh, about, about the truth of scripture. What does he say in second, through second Timothy, uh, three to 12, uh, written by the apostle Paul? It says that, yeah, indeed, all who live godly, uh, in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 
Yep. Sometimes people will say, ah, that's a bunch of hogwash. They might say something. They might make a cutting remark. There might be even uh, a persecution. But on the other hand, look at John 14, 27, what Jesus said. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so, yeah, fear of man can be one of the things that holds us back. But Christ, the risen Christ, who we studied these last five weeks, he's there to comfort our hearts, to put that peace back in so we don't have to be overcome and overwhelmed uh, by fear in that way. Secondly, I think another thing that can creep into our hearts and cause them to be hardened to sharing this good news is disappointment from past experiences. It's been my experience that when people are first become Christians and first experience what it is to be born again, when where they they see the reality of Christ and ask Him into their hearts, and that explosion from the Holy Spirit takes place from within. Many times, it's just so natural to want to tell you know the good news of what happened to them and that Jesus is real and He can forgive you of your sins and He can come into your heart and change you. And many many times, you'll find that. New believers are the most zealous uh, to share their faith. Um, But here's the thing. Sometimes when we step out and do that, then maybe it hasn't been well received right. Um, I had a positive experience uh, when I really found out who Jesus was. I I, I learned about him. My parents took me to a good church. I understood uh, more than just the basics that you needed to turn from sin and receive Christ into your life. I I understood that and I did that. I didn't understand what it really meant for Jesus to be the Lord of your life and following him wholeheartedly. But when I hit university, uh, that really clicked and I understood understand what it meant to be a complete Christian and follower of Christ. And I was so excited about that. I would go around from dorm room to dorm room, and I would set up appointments with the campus pastor who is a, and I would um, just take him to friend after friend and go door to door. I mean, he said, man, if I had one person, Bert Thompson here, I could win most of the student body to Christ. Uh, He was so excited just to share my enthusiasm. But here's the thing. I was staying in a Christian dorm. And so most of the people already had kind of Fairly warm feelings. A lot of the young men, it wasn't, it wasn't a theological college necessarily. Most of the, most of, um, the other university students were just studying a, you know, plethora of topics at UBC. I think we only had uh, two theological students in our whole dorm, but they were warm to the gospel. They had understood it. So they weren't, they may not be following Christ wholeheartedly, but at least it wasn't, I wasn't slammed. They were actually, uh, thankful. You know, for my preaching and for the preaching of the campus pastor that I uh, brought into their dorm room. But not everybody's had that experience. And if you've had an experience where you've been shut down by people that you were excited when you thought maybe friends or family members might have received the message that you received with joy, then you can have a deep disappointment uh, lodged into your heart. And, uh, if you've been disappointed, and here's here's my next point on the screen, if you have been deeply disappointed by ne- negative experiences of sharing your p- faith, then you need, and here it comes, healing. You need healing because God doesn't want you to remain in that place. Look at what Psalm 34, 18 says. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Isn't that beautiful? 
any area, it doesn't just go if we've been disappointed or in the area of sharing our faith, but in any area of disappointment in your life, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He wants to comfort the brokenhearted. He is only a prayer away. He is close to those who are crushed in spirit. And he wants to come and bring his comfort and bring, uh, and bring his peace. I would also say, and I believe that this is prophetic. I think that the Lord would say this. If you've been disappointed in sharing your faith, I believe with all my heart that God is proud of you. I believe that God is excited that you would share uh, your newfound joy, that you would uh, step out there and share the good news, even if it wasn't well received. I believe that God is well pleased. He's always well pleased when we step out beyond ourselves. He's always well pleased when we do our very best uh, to obey him. Okay, let's move on. Uh, The third area that I want to look at uh, where hardness of heart uh, can creep in, and that is in the area of personal struggles. You know, it's hard to proclaim the goodness of God when you're personally struggling. When God doesn't feel good to you, it's kind of hard to proclaim his goodness, isn't it? Uh, I think of a lot of us are in that situation just right now. We've said this before, that Christians are not exempt from such things as anxiety, depression, difficult work situations, difficulties with our children, or any other uh, situation that life has to bring. Uh, I think the challenge is to remember that You're not inviting someone into your life experience, but you're inviting them into his. Although we need to have a good testimony and we have to have a level of joy, ultimately we are not inviting people into our lives. We're inviting people to experience his life. We also need to reject the notion uh, that coming to Jesus means that everything's going to go great from then on. Yes, there is a beautiful experience when Christ comes into our hearts. It's glorious. But after that, we still have to live in a broken world, a messed up world. We still have to deal with all the ways that we are still broken on the inside ourselves. Uh, Jesus isn't a genie that we take into our lives and then all of a sudden we just rub them the right way and all good things start to happen. In fact, as you walk, the more you walk with the Lord, you'll soon realize that you too will have a cross or two to bear. Uh, Jesus never promised an easy life. He did promise an abundant life. He had promised a life that he would be with us, but he didn't promise an easy life. And I think sometimes we take, we have the mistaken uh, notion that somehow You just take Christ into your life and then everything is great. And so that that's what we have to kind of show people is like, isn't our life great? Isn't it so perfect because we have Jesus? No, we have an identity in him. We have a security. We have something that we can be real. And I think people are craving reality more than pie in the sky dreams that they know aren't true anyway. Um, Here's what Jesus, in fact, did lay out in John 16, 33, he said, I've said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tri- tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Uh, this third issue, if I want to just um, say out of the three where I'm at uh, right now more, I would say that this is the one that makes it m- most difficult for me to share my faith at this time. It makes me uh, 
confront the same question that Jesus uh, asked Peter. Who do you say that I am? Right now, when things are struggling, who am I? Who do you say that I am, Bert? Who do you say? Not a set of intellectual beliefs about the Bible, but your actual experience with me. Who do you say that I am? Is he my most prized possession? Is he the most important part of my life? When things do get dark in your life, where do you turn? Uh, what do you look to? More importantly, I guess, who do you look to? Um, this last week uh, was pretty tough week for me. Um, we mentioned the loss of a dear friend. Um, she was not only a friend of my wife, but she was a friend to me too. And I was hit with a lot of sadness as well. Um, there were just couple days there where I've shared with you before that sometimes anxiety and depression come my way. And there was some, just some mornings where I wasn't really feeling, you know, that joy. And uh, not only that, but um, I guess I forgot to mention, I also had COVID. <laughs> and um, so that's not the greatest for those of you who have experienced that. And I can remember just one morning waking up early and walking in my office and just kind of saying, God, where are you? And uh, I just asked him, I said, Lord, can you just give me a sign that you're with me? Give me a sign of your presence and uh, <clears throat> give me a song. I know one of the t ways that God often uh, ministers to my heart is a song uh, will just pop into my mind and I'll just begin to either sing it or just in my mind, I begin to reflect on the words and I can just sense that it's the Holy Spirit coming to me and God coming to me uh, to bring me uh, comfort. And after I prayed that weak little prayer of mine, all of a sudden, a song from 1990 that I haven't sung for probably 25 years popped into my, popped into my, uh, into my brain, into my heart, wherever songs pop in, um, and it's a song, and the song is entitled, You Are My All in All. And I want to just uh, share a couple lyrics from this song. For those of you way back in the day, uh, you might actually have uh, sung this song. But it goes like this. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. And then it goes into the course about Jesus, uh, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. And, and then the second verse is this. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. And after just going through the words of that song just a few times over and over again, I sense the comfort of God just coming to my life. And I shared that song uh, with my wife and she said, yeah, that is a good song. And it's a beautiful song and beautiful words, beautiful uh, lyrics. The other thing is 
when I come to the place where I don't feel, I feel down and I feel like maybe the Lord isn't coming through for me. I also have, have to have the conclusion, but Lord, this is my last point. Uh, last thing I want to share before we close. Um, where else do I go? <laughs> where else do I go? I've experienced too much over these years that I've walked with the Lord. I've experienced too many of his miracles. I've experienced too many times where he's come through for me and my family. It's not just an intellectual thing for me. It's he has been good. He has brought us through so many times, time and time again. And so even when I'm going through personal struggles, I can look at the whole of my walk with the Lord and I can say, he has been good. And when I think in that, I think, you know what? I believe that another person's life would be way better, even through the struggles, if they had Jesus in their life. It's in so, so very important that each and every one of you have your own encounters with the Lord. Christianity is meant to be a living faith. It's meant to be something where it's not just a God way out there, but a God that I know, a God that transforms, a God that speaks to my heart, who speaks to me through his word, who speaks to me through beautiful music and lyrics and can transform us. When we look at all this series of all that Christ has done on the cross, it would be just such a shame that it's not proclaimed to the nations, that it's not proclaimed uh, to everyone. And I want to conclude uh, with this scripture from Colossians 127 through 29. When I was a new believer, one of the things uh, that I was encouraged to do was to get these little scripture memory packs. I can't remember exactly what they were, they were called. Maybe they're called nav packs. I can't remember from the navigator's ministry. I can't remember, but I can remember the very first one at the top. It was a difficult one. It was Colossians 127. And I think it took me three weeks to memorize those two verses. I just wasn't used to scripture memory. I got better, though, uh, over time. But it's just a beautiful, beautiful scripture, and I still remember it. Here, here's how it goes. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. The Apostle Paul wrote this and he gave, he gave this beautiful verse to us where he's saying, him I proclaim. And then he said, with all the energy that Christ puts within us. And I just want to encourage you. We have to step out in faith to proclaim this message. But you know what? It's his energy within us that will give us the passion and give us the strength. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.